sorry, Johnny. Don't say you're sorry. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Tree, am I a big guy? Yeah, Johnny. No. Look. See? You aren't the big guy. And we need you to start playing like a big guy. Okay? Are you a big guy? Yes, Johnny. Come on. Say it! Say it! I'm a big guy! Okay! 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 Okay, hit me. I don't want to hit you, Johnny. Come on, Tree. Hit me! Johnny. I'm not Johnny! I'm a New York Ranger! Hit me! Stop it! You look like the back end of a moose, Sasquatch! Oh. Just like that tree. Here comes the night. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with that clip from a movie called Mystery Alaska. And if you didn't catch the reference, there uh, you got Russell Crowe coaching a, uh, a hockey team, a pond hockey team in a little city called Mystery Alaska, training one of his guys, who I don't remember the guy, uh, Kevin Durant, I think is the actor of it. He's a big guy. And uh, Russell Crowe's trying to tell him to start acting like a big guy. And uh, because he's the biggest guy on the team. And and I liken that to what we're going through with China. And Russell Crowe is Donald Trump. And Kevin Durant, the guy who plays Tree, that's the United States. And while we're dealing with, with China, we're everybody's talking about the sky is falling. And, of course, that's not why uh, I used that, that clip, that uh, move, that sound, the song Heads Up. That was more for the climate change stuff that's going on this week from uh, Tommy Shaw. But, um, but hey, everyone's going. Oh my God! You can't piss off. Uh, you can't. You can't make China mad. Cause what happens if China gets mad? He's putting these tariffs on and all that stuff. And uh, and Trump is trying to say, Hey, we're the big guy. Why are we? Why are we afraid of China? And you'll see that when the tariffs started this week, 
when the tariffs started this week, you watch the stock market went up. Everyone's going, oh, can you believe what's going to happen? This is going to happen and that's going to happen and this is going to happen. If you listen to the Democrats and all the 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 communist news network and PMSNBC, you hear them all crying, uh, crying the sky is falling and uh, being chicken littles. But the people on Wall Street know this has to happen. And if you go back to that little clip from uh, Donald Trump on the Oprah show in 1986, he's saying the exact same thing. Hey, China's manipulating their currency and they're taking advantage of us and somebody needs to stop it. And in all that time, nobody's done anything. Trump, and when Trump made that comment, I'm the chosen one, he was joking about that because no one else would do it. What's happening between us and China is a good thing. Because we're not, because Trump realizes he's president to make some changes that are going to affect his grandkids and his great great grandkids, not stuff that's just going to keep him popular while he's in office. Which obviously, if you listen to the media, nothing he does is going to help him uh, be popular in their eyes. Because no matter what he does, even if even if he turned, even if he turned uh, water into wine and uh, and. Uh, rocks into gold, they still complain about it. Well, oh man, you're you're destroying the geological community. You're turning rocks into gold. Now what? Everyone's going to take all the rocks. So anyway, I'll talk about uh I'll talk about uh, a lot more of what's going on this week, but first let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting in, involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and there are lots and lots of fantastic opportunities, mostly because of the falling interest rates. Interest rates are down about seven eighths of a percent from where they were a year ago, and your uh, your your property values are up or about fifty percent of where they were five years ago. Um, things are good. Things are good if you're interested in refinancing some property that you own, or if you're interested in uh, in buying some new property that you don't own yet. You need financing. Call me toll free at area code eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero. 2020, one last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. Also, if you're inter- if you're over 62 and you're interested in one of those reverse mortgage things, you want someone to give you some straight talk about the pros and cons of them. Um, they're not for everybody, but for everybody over 62, if you've got equity, uh, once you once you uh, find out if you qualify for them based on your, uh, your age and your equity, um, if you don't qualify, you're going to wish you did. Um, because they are fantastic. Uh, it really puts you in control of of your uh, finances in your retirement years, or uh, for most people, not quite retired years. Anyway, if you're interested, 855-640-2020. Or if you don't want to talk to me, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet, let's stick our toe in the water first. Let me send him a little cyber message. Go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, which is, uh, scroll down a little bit, you'll see the Summit Funding logo. That'll take you to my lending page, my lending, lending page, and you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman, and we'll help you find the uh, missing piece to your real estate financing puzzle. 
Um, if you hear something that you want repeated on the show, also on edhoffman.net, you can go to the podcast page, hear the podcast of this show as well as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free, have it download to your, uh, your phone, your computer, your iPad, your iWatch, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, uh, anything else you can listen to uh, podcasts on and, uh, listen on demand whenever you want to if the if the radio if the radio doesn't quite match your time schedule you can do that um follow me on twitter at at ed hoffman where i uh, tweet current events all week long uh the facebook page is the is facebook.com slash the main event at hoffman um what else did i leave out um listener hotline is still not up i think it might be up by next week um but if you have a uh, comments on the show send it to ed at edhoffman.net um, and I will see all those emails and I will talk about them if they're, uh, if they're, uh, if they're not gibberish. Some of you are sending me some messages that don't even apply to anything I said. So if you, if you say, hey, I'm leaving messages, but they don't really apply to, uh, anything that I said, you might've heard something on somebody else's show. Um, I did hear them. Um, so anyway, let's talk about uh, what's going on. Oh, hey, before I go any further, uh, some big news that nobody's talking about. Well, a few people are talking about it, but nobody really – it's not making big news. Um, Trump is trying to uh, privatize Fannie and Freddie, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which is the Federal National Mortgage Association and the Federal Housing Home Loan Corporation. Um, and somebody emailed me and said, Hey, what do I think about it? And I tried to, I started to email about it and I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about it on the radio and give you more, more specifics. So Fannie Mae, Fannie Mae started 1938 creating, a creating a, pr- a way for people to invest in mortgages, which is a, uh, where, Hey, you got people with money. They want to invest in something that's secure. They can invest in, in Fannie Mae stock and, uh, and Fannie Mae takes their money and invests it and buys mortgages with it. And depending on the interest rate, what kind of return they're getting, and they're buying 30-year mortgages in it, and they've created a lot of opportunities for people to own own homes that they wouldn't have had otherwise. You know, uh, once upon a time, uh, 20% down was the way you did things. And of course, with FHA and uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac also buy FHA loans as well, even though typically Jenny Mae, the, the Government National Mortgage Association, is the is the fund that buys that. Um, so since 1938, uh, Fannie and uh, Freddie Mac came out in 1989, 19, somewhere, somewhere in there. That's, that's more, more current, but these, uh, these have always been privatized and their investors, as they made money, the investors made money in the uh, late nineties, in the late nineties during the Clinton administration. Um, they uh, uh, with uh, Clinton and uh, his his uh, his gay head of the uh, uh, housing finance housing financial services corporation housing financial services committee uh, Barney Frank uh, he's having a gay relationship with one of the head guys at Fannie Mae they are living together which uh, to me would be considered a conflict of interest if you're Republican but they're Democrats and uh, they came up with this. Uh, the subprime thing because Clinton wanted to uh, push the uh, the housing housing uh, ratio. Hey, more more percentage of people own housing houses in this country than ever before. So if at first more people can't qualify, then just lower the standards and uh, and let's let's make it easier to buy houses with less money and worse credit and less documentation. And they created subprime. 
and uh and of course then they then they made it they then they passed laws that said hey if to the banks who don't want to do loans that for people that don't qualify they told the bank said if you don't sell 38% of your portfolio in these products then you don't get to sell loans to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac which essentially says hey Bank of America Wells Fargo Chase uh GMAC all these big big banks if you don't sell subprime loans, then you don't get to sell to Fannie Mae, which means you're out of the mortgage industry. So reluctantly, everybody did it. Everybody sold them countrywide, Bank of America, which became Bank of America, um, uh, Wells Fargo. Everybody did it. Everybody did it. And uh, even when they didn't want to, because the banks have have stockholders too, and they don't want to do bad loans. So uh, this, this created the subprime crisis. This be- had people doing uh, stated income loans, negative amortization, two-year fix with three-year prepays, all kinds of stuff that led to the mortgage meltdown. At that point, the government took over. You had you had um, Alan Greenspan, who was the head of the Federal Reserve at the time, make a comment that he was concerned about the amount of, of subprime loans that Fannie Mae owned. He was concerned about that. And uh, Barney Frank, the head of Financial Services Committee, said, I, I, I don't think there's anything to worry about. And uh, and blew it all off. And uh, a year later, the sky is falling, and uh, almost melted down the entire the entire uh, global ec- economic system. Um, at that time, the government took over Fannie and Freddie, and they bailed them out to a gazillion dollars. Since then, every quarter, every quarter, the U.S. Treasury goes in and takes all their profits. There's still a whole bunch of private investors that own stock in this company that haven't been getting any of their profits for since 2008, so 11 years, and the U.S. government treasury, the U.S. treasury has been taking all the profits. They've been paid back about 10 times. Now uh, somebody asks, do you think it's a good thing for them to go private? Absolutely. It's absolutely for the for the private investors, and it's absolutely a good idea because whenever the government gets involved, Make it happen. It takes 10 times as long and four times as much money to do anything. Do we think that's bad for the public? No way. No way. I think this is a good thing. Will anybody back back Trump up? Eh, not on TV. Not on TV, but the Republicans will and the smart business people think this is a good idea. So anyway, that's my take on that. And uh, if you agree, great. And if you don't agree, well, then listen again because you're wrong. So anyway, let's talk about what's going on in this uh, in this uh, country this this uh, past week. Hurricane Dorian ravaged the Bahamas this week, and the death toll rose to 23 as it touched down uh, on the Carolinas on Thursday. As you may recall, Democrats managed to blame a Republican president for an act of nature with Hurricane Katrina 2005. And of course, they uh, made a big deal out of a picture that showed uh, President Bush circling over. They took a picture of him looking out the window and uh, not landing in Louisiana over the uh, over the the flooded area in in uh, New Orleans and and thereabouts in in uh, in Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina. And he didn't land because he knew it was going to create so much ruckus, and he didn't want to land there and. And take all the all the first responders to go guard him when they should be saving people. Um, so it should come as no surprise they found ways to connect this disaster to President Trump. And and of course, I was talking to my uh, my favorite realtor up in Mammoth, um, Paul Oster, and he said, "Hey, you know what? Isn't it funny how President Trump just..." 
push that big old Hurricane Dorian north of Mar-a-Lago so it wouldn't bother his his place. Trump is a powerful dude, man. Powerful dude. But since the Department of Homeland Security announced that $155 million in funds will be moved from FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Administration, to support President Trump's border enforcement efforts, Democrats saw that as, a, as their first opportunity. Chuck Schumer... Um, Senate minority leader, um, he uh, he tweeted out this: Our fellow Americans in Puerto Rico and Florida are bracing for a hurricane. At real at real Donald Trump, stop raiding disaster funds and work to ensure FEMA is ready to help these Americans. Oh, boo hoo! So far, so far, nobody's been left left without funds. And here's Francis Beta O'Rourke on the Communist News Network. Listen to what he calls the U.S. border, U.S.-Mexico border. President Trump is taking money away from FEMA to send it to the U.S.-Mexico border, one of the safest places in America today, to try to build a wall or put more kids in cages or, or try to uh, militarize a problem that we do not have in this country right now. And that's at the expense of the people. The U.S.-Mexico border, one of the safest places ever. Really? Really? Has anybody been there and put kids in cages? Has anybody ever raised teenagers? They belong in cages. I'm just joking. Just joking. Um, but, you know, everybody talks about kids in cages. My daughter brought this up to me once. And I said, you're looking, you're listening to, you're looking at stuff on the internet too much. You see a picture of a kid laying on the ground and there's a chain link in front of him. I said, so you guys went to Cloverdale Elementary, which was across the street from our house, the back of our house. So... Um, if I had, if I had pulled up on the street and I said, Hey, come on over here. And I took a picture of you sitting on the grass through the chain link fence. Would, would someone have said you're in a cage or you just happen to be in a chain linked off area so that bums and bad people can't get to you and you can't run out in the street. I think the, uh, I think people have the wrong idea. Plus the pictures that they showed were taken during Obama administration. So are we putting kids in cages? No. You just gotta keep them, keep them safe, and keep them from running off, and keep them, and keep them safe. So you know we're putting kids in in cages. Amazing, and of course the easiest way to publicity to politicize a hurricane is to connect it with climate change. AOC Alexandria Ocasio Cortez said, tweets out, "This is what climate change looks like. It hits vulnerable communities first. Yeah, the climate knows where vulnerable communities are. Mother Nature has a mobile home sensor, and it just drags hurricanes right to there. And then she continues, I can hear climate deniers uh, screeching, it's always been like this, you're dim, etc. No, this is about science and leadership. We either decarbonize and cut emissions, or we don't and let people die. Da-da-da-da-da! Bernie Sanders tweets, the fossil fuel industry is now the equivalent of the tobacco industry. It creates death and destruction, then spends billions denying its responsibility. Let's be clear. Let's, let's be clear. Hurricane Dorian has everything to do with climate change, which is the existential crisis of our time. You know, it's just like the tobacco industry. Have you guys banned cigarettes yet? Apparently not. Here's a montage of every, every major Democrat candidate echoing Bernie's talking point. That climate change is the existential threat to mankind. 
If NATO is about the common defense, the biggest existential threat is climate. This is climate change. It really is the existential threat. We're going to have to address the most existential threat to our nation in the world, climate change. On climate change, the greatest existential threat that we face. We are facing a climate crisis. It represents an existential threat to who we are as human beings. Yeah, apparently uh, Nancy Pelosi had her uh, her weekly conference call, and the word today, children, is existential threat. Can you say that? I'm sure you can. They had uh, Mr. Rogers on there. Can you say existential threat? I'm sure you can. So anyway, then as if we needed more proof that Democrats are in bed with the media, CNN held a wasteful seven-hour climate change town hall with te- 10 Democrat candidates on Wednesday. Apparently, if you didn't make the 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 uh, debate that's coming up next Thursday, I think it is, if you didn't if you didn't qualify for that, then you're no longer running. Um, and this just happened to be scheduled for the same week that a bunch of them unveiled their insanely expensive climate change plans. Here's how much some of the candidates are promising to throw at the great existential crisis. Uh, climate change uh, cost. Uh, Pete Buttigieg um, wants to throw $1 trillion at it. Let's put this in perspective. The entire national budget is $4 trillion a year. Okay. Pete Buttigieg wants to throw one quarter of it at climate change. Uh, Pocahontas, Elizabeth Warren, wants to throw three quarters of it at $3 trillion. Cory Booker, who's never going to be president, um, well, none of these will ever be president, um, he's he's matching uh, Pocahontas with $3 trillion. And, of course, uh, our, our own California Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, she wants to really up up them. $10 trillion. Wait till I play you some clips. You'll be amazed. And of course, the big winner here is Bernie Sanders, the man who's never had a job himself, uh, who always finds a woman to help him out and uh, to pay his bills. And of course, uh, when he when he claims that everybody should be paid $20 an hour, he doesn't pay his own people even $15 an hour. And when he, uh, and when he made a big winning on his book, he didn't volunteer to pay as much as he thinks all rich people should pay. They said, hey, are you going to pay the extras? No, I'm not paying any more than I have to. He he volunteered four times the national budget. $16 trillion to save us from the existential threat. So anyway, uh, naturally, each candidate took the opportunity to run, to run with this week's talking point that hurricanes are caused by climate change. But a much bigger stretch was blaming climate change for the migrant crisis. We've heard we've heard this before from people like uh, AOC, but now we've got college students asking presidential candidates questions like this. Uh, drastic environmental consequences of the climate crisis have caused enormous human migration movements for communities in the global south. What would be America's strategy to address migration and the potential influx of immigrants under your administration? So before I run out of time, I pulled the uh, stats on hurricanes going back to uh, 1851. And just to give you some quick uh, year by year, starting at 2017 and going back, here's how many uh, here's how many uh, hurricanes we've had uh, year by year: 17, 10, 16, 7. I'll just say the numbers: 4, 6, 10, 2, 10, 7, 12, 3, 8, 6, 5, 15, 9, 7, 4, 9, 8, 8, 10, 3, 9, 11, 3, 4, 4, 4, 4, 8, 7. 
We'll go back to uh, 12 in 1969, 10 and 8. Oh, I'm going way back. There's there's no there's no rhyme or reason. They're not increasing. It's random. It's secular. Secular. The the Earth goes cycles and has has not a damn thing to do with climate change. Folks, I'm all out of time for part one of the main event. Give me uh, five minutes of uh, commercials, traffic, weather, and sports, and I'll be right back with more of uh, the main event. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and finance, but if you need some, if you need some while the rates are low, um, give me a call at 855-640-2020. You want to deal with someone who thinks like you. So if you've, if you're, if you've been listening and you're still listening, then obviously you think like me. Um, give me a call 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo. It'll take you to my landing page and you can, uh, we can start out with some uh, electronic messaging. So before the break, I was talking about the uh, Climate Change Town Hall. And I think I'll go back and play this, uh, this college student that asked this question and pl- play this one more time because I want you to hear the response. Uh, Drastic environmental consequences of the climate crisis have caused enormous human migration movements for communities in the global south. What would be America's strategy to address migration and the potential influx of immigrants under your administration? Okay, as stupid as that as that uh, as that clip sounds. Remember, this is a college student. Kids that are like 18 to 22. These are the future the future voters for us. And California wants to let them start voting at 17, even before they get to this level of of, uh, of uh, confusion. Listen to Beto O'Rourke how he uh, responds. Let's begin by acknowledging our culpability and our responsibility connected to that. Um, it is um, the global north, the wealthiest countries in in the north that have produced the majority of the climate change that we are seeing that is disproportionately impacting not just the global south in in guatemala um, who are facing the greatest drought that country has ever seen what if we don't turn them away from the u.s mexico border make them remain in place in ciudad juarez which has 13,000 people who are fleeing the deadliest places on the planet and those places that have borne the brunt of climate change so far. Honor our own asylum laws and the best traditions of this country of immigrants and asylum seekers and refugees and allow them to apply for asylum and include as a permissible part of the application those who have been impacted by climate change. Did any of that stuff make sense? It didn't to me. But I did catch some some stuff of what he was saying. And, uh, you know, Guatemala facing the uh, biggest drought of all times. And, of course, we in California, didn't we just go through that a couple years ago? Then all of a sudden we had a couple big winters and now everything's good. And I remember listening to uh, Travis Allen, the guy who should be living in the uh, governor's mansion right now, talking about what we should have done to solve the uh, water crisis instead of... Uh, instead of uh, not fixing the levees and not doing water storage. But, uh, you know, I have, I, have some, I have some observations. I've never been to Guatemala. Don and I went on a, on a cruise uh, two years ago through the Panama Canal, and we stopped in Guatemala, but we didn't get off the ship. 
And the reason we couldn't get off the ship, because there was this thing called Hurricane Nate going on in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, I don't know much about Guatemala, but I know we were in a ship in the Pacific Ocean. And I know Hurricane Nate was in the Gulf of Mexico. And I could see the coast. I could see the water from the side of the ship. And I could feel the raindrops falling on me. But the hurricane was on the other side of Guatemala. So being not being a you know a geographer or a uh, a climatologist or uh, any of that kind of stuff, um, I'm not a Uncle Stone from the new Vacation movie. I don't know any of that stuff, but I did see that Guatemala has the Pacific Ocean next to us, just like California does, and they got the Gulf of Mexico on the other side, and but they're solving. They got the biggest drought ever. They're not a very big country. And, uh, and the solution is to bring everybody in Guatemala to, to the United States. Okay. So being the simple, simple guy, um, after Guatemala, the next day we were in Costa Rica and Costa Rica, we couldn't get, we couldn't go on any, any, uh, tours because that hurricane Nate was still raining. Hurricane Nate in the Gulf of Mexico was still raining and it affected us on the Pacific ocean side. So I assume Costa Rica is probably surrounded by water too on two sides. And uh, then we went a little farther and like the next day or two, two days later, we were going through the Panama Canal, which if you've never been is is really awesome. And uh, so you go through the Panama Canal, we come out and we stop in Colombia, which I've seen romancing the stone. So I know what Colombia is like, except for it's nothing like that. And uh, we didn't really get off too much because I heard too many stories and I just thought it would be better if we didn't go very far off the ship. And the next day or two days later, we were in a country called Aruba, which just like you, the only thing I knew about Aruba was Natalie Holloway. So I really wasn't too excited about that. I really, I just wanted to go through the Panama Canal and see that. Um, but we got off on Aruba and we found it was a cool little island. And, you know, everybody speaks English there and it's got clean water all over the place. You know, Mexico, don't drink the water. Okay, Aruba, you can drink the water everywhere. And you know where they get their water? They've got desalination plants that feed the whole country. Because they're surrounded by water. So for the life of me, I can't figure out why California can't figure that out. And certainly that would be cheaper than bringing, even if, even if the United States created desalination plants and put them in Guatemala. That would be cheaper than bringing these people over. I just don't know how, how we, 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 we dredge through the biggest idiots in the country and we put them in politics. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be off, but I've got logically thinking brain I open my eyes, I see things, I filter, I filter the images through my brain, and I just come up with ideas. And, you know, one of the guys on this little tour bus, and we went through a little, uh, we paid some guy named Richard to uh, drive us around and show us Aruba. It's a little tiny island. It took about two hours to see the whole island. And uh, then we just talked to some place and ate rice and shrimp and tacos and some stuff, and we walked around and did some shopping, and it was a cool little place. I would go back. I wouldn't send my teenage kids over there unchaperoned, but I would take my wife back there and uh, be with her by her side the whole time and not let any uh, teenage uh, boys take her away. Um, But Aruba seemed like a pretty cool place, and you can drink the water. 
And, uh, you know, I, I listen and learn and go, hmm, how are Ruben people so much smarter than California people? Oh, yeah. They don't have Democrats there. Okay. So, anyway, and as bad as, as, bad as that is, it gets worse. Next came the questions. Going back to the climate change town hall, seven hours. Uh, the next time the the next came the questions about climate change and the American diet, also known as the farting cow questions. Leave it to CNN to have an actual chief climate correspondent, Bill Weir, who took it upon himself to pose this question first. Question: I'm sure you hear in Texas every now and then. Uh, to grow one pound of beef, it takes 20 times the land and creates 20 times the carbon pollution as one pound of plant protein. Uh, so as president, how do you think the American diet should change, agriculture should change, and to all those carnivores in your state, can they have their steak and eat it too? Yeah. <laughs> hey, first of all, uh, I don't think any presidential candidates or any politicians uh, have anything to say about how I eat. And if they ban beef, I'm out of here. Somebody sent me an email about, hey, you're talking about leaving California. I don't think that's good to promote that. I'm not promoting it. But I'll tell you what, if they ban beef in the United States, I'm leaving the whole country. So anyway, that's just me. Um, and I will say on the way home from the river last weekend, we stopped at uh, Carl's Jr. Burger King is not the only one with the non-beef beef patty. But guess what? I didn't try it because what's the point? So, uh but with seven hours to fill, CNN wasn't going to ask the important question only once. Don Lemon had to get in, get in, get in on it too. Uh, here he is with America's most famous vegan, Cory Booker. So you're, you're a vegan, and when you've talked about being a vegan in the past, yeah. And I want to quote you. Let me get it right. You said um, that you don't want to preach to anybody about their diets. So my question is: Your administration wouldn't have any programs to encourage healthy diets that would also combat climate change? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Here's Booker's response along with uh, more thoughts on cheeseburgers from Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren. Let's go right at this because I hear about it all the time. Booker wants to take away your hamburger. Um, <laughs> well, um, that is the kind of lies and fear mongering that they spread uh, uh, out there that somehow the Democrats want to get rid of hamburgers. Just to be very honest with you, I love cheeseburgers from time to time. But there has to be also what we do in terms of creating incentives that we will eat in a healthy way, that we will encourage moderation, and that we will be educated about the effect of our eating habits on our environment. It's exactly what the fossil fuel industry hopes we're all talking about. They want to be able to stir up a lot of controversy around your light bulbs, around your straws, and around your cheeseburgers. I don't know. You know what? What I what I'm what I'm questioning is where are all the pro-choice people at at now? You know, we have choice about whether we kill babies or not. What about choice on how we eat? Hey, you know what? You don't want to eat beef? Don't. You don't want to eat pork? Don't. You don't want to eat eggs? You don't want to eat uh, milk? You don't want to drink milk? You don't want to eat a uh, chicken? I don't really care. Don't. I'm a carnivore. I am a member of PETA, people eating tasty animals. You know, if God didn't want us to eat animals, he wouldn't have made them taste so good. So anyway, that's my theory. But as crazy as all this is, nothing is, is downright frightening as Bernie Sanders remarks on fighting climate change with population control. In other words, giving poor countries American money to, sub to subsidize abortions. Mexico City Agreement, which denies American aid to those organizations around the world, that are uh, that allow women to have abortions or even get involved uh, in birth control to me is totally absurd. 
So I think, especially in poor countries around the world, uh, where women do not necessarily want to have large numbers of babies, and where they can have the opportunity through birth control to control the number of kids they have, something I very, very strongly uh, support. So I had a conversation with someone in my office about homeless people and uh, the homeless problem in and around our city and in and around specifically my building because we back up right to the to the freeway. And sometimes when you get in there early, you visit some people that uh, apparently like to sleep in our parking lot. And, uh, and so I made a comment about our idiot governor and how he thinks the uh, homeless problem is a housing problem. And she goes, no, 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 don't go there. We're not going to insult people that are our leaders in our country. And I go, okay. But don't you think it's funny that we didn't have this, this homeless problem 10 years ago? And it wasn't like this five years ago? And it really wasn't like that two years ago, and it's popping up everywhere. Do you see that? Do you see that as a lack of housing? She goes, "Well, if there were houses, then they'd have, then they wouldn't be homeless. Well, they wouldn't have a place. They wouldn't have a way to pay for them." I said, "Homeless people will be homeless, and in the past, they were just spread out all over the place. Now that California is free for everything, free healthcare, free food, free everything, just come to California. We welcome you." Uh, you know, you're jobless, you're, you're, uh, ambition, ambitionless, um, you're, uh, countryless. Everybody just come to California. We love you. Everybody's coming and don't get me wrong. I told you this story more than once that, uh, my trainer went to, uh, when I gave him a couple weeks off after I had my, uh, my back procedure that he, uh, someone in Texas told him that, uh, Hey, we just, we just, uh, give these homeless people, we give them a $198 uh, bus ticket. We never have to deal with them again. One-way ticket to California. They say, thank you, thank you, and they get on the bus and they go because everything's free in California. So if they're doing it in Texas, I bet you it's cheaper from New Mexico and even cheaper from Arizona, cheaper from Nevada, Oregon. Oregon's really really not very far from uh, the, the the freebie, uh, take a dump on the on the sidewalk, free needles, uh, free everything, uh, flower power, uh, San Francisco, uh, Washington, all over, all over the country. They're all busting to California. And when they don't have any place to stay, they all just congregate around. And then we all wonder, you know what? I drove down to, uh, San Diego down to, uh, what's it called? Uh, Seaport village for a, uh, for a, uh, seminar I went to, uh, a year ago, two years ago. And, uh, and we went down another time for a, uh, Father's Day thing that, uh, Gary Sinise Foundation, uh, Lieutenant Dan Band was, was performing at the Hotel Del Carnado. We stayed across the, across the way at the, uh, the Marriott Marquis or the Hilton, one of those, one of the ones at Seaport Village. And Siri, Siri takes me right through, or, or the navigation lady on my dashboard takes me right through this homeless area. And I suspect... I suspect it wasn't like that when the when the navigation thing got programmed and you're going through there. I literally took my gun out of my out of my little uh, thing because I was afraid you can't drive very fast. And all these homeless people are just walking around you. They're out of their tents. This is San Diego. This isn't Riverside. This isn't San Bernardino. This is San Diego right by the beach. Is this a housing problem? No way.
But that's what Gavin Newsom says. He's smoking crack, to be sure. So uh, amazing. So now uh, Bernie Sanders wants to uh, let's subsidize abortion population control. As for Joe Biden, the craziest thing he did was uh, he wanted to ban combustible engine in his first term. You know, you guys that drive eight-cylinder, you know, Corvettes, Mustangs, anything else you put gas in that you really enjoy, he wants to ban those. That's logical. Uh, But that's not anybody's talking about today. The only news Biden made during the CNN climate change thing was that uh, nothing crazy, just kind of gross that he uh, somebody tweeted out that he's got blood in his eye. Oh, my God. Biden is human. He's got blood on the side of his eye. He probably rubbed his eye after he didn't wash his hands and he got some infection in his eye. Who cares? Let's go on to gun legislation. With the recent mass shootings in Alabama, Texas, and Ohio, killing a total of 38 people in recent weeks, it's time to talk about gun legislation again. Among the ideas under discussion at the White House are so-called red flag laws, which would allow a family member or law enforcement to petition for a gun to be taken away from someone who may be a threat. But Democrats say those laws are not enough and have have called on Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to bring up the House's universal background checks uh, bill that passed earlier this year. Um, And let me just say, Don and I went to a concert at the Orange County Fair and we sat next to some liberals. And while I was going to get us a couple more beers, my wife was talking to the lady and she can't stand the gun thing. The gun thing, I didn't tell her that I carry um, uh, because by the time I came back, they switched because there was a tall person in front so in front of her. So her husband was sitting next to me. So, uh, but Don told me anyway, um, she, I can't believe they let, let people have guns and they don't even do background checks. I say, hey, let me just tell you as someone who buys, who has guns, and I never wanted to have guns until Obama was in there and everything started happening. But let me just tell you, there's no place that I've found that you can buy a gun legally without a background check. Oh, but the gun show loopholes. The gun show loopholes. You buy a gun at the, at the gun shows and they run your background check and you get your gun later. If it's in California, you get it 10 days later. In Arizona, I can buy a gun over the counter. But they take my Arizona ID because I have house there and they run it through the computer and it takes about five minutes. If something pops up, then I have to wait till the next day. If you aren't a resident of Arizona, if you aren't a resident of Arizona, you don't get to buy guns in Arizona. If you're a resident but you don't have an ID, you have to show a utility to build to show that you have residents in Arizona. Then you can get it the next day while they run your background check from that. They run through a different background check. There's no such thing as a gun show loophole unless you meet somebody at a gun show that sells you a stolen gun. You can't legally, the only way, the only way that, that you can legally buy a gun without a background check is to buy it illegally. And if you change the laws, the only people that obey the laws are the people that obey the laws. Morons. So uh, McConnell says the White House is reviewing different proposals. And he expects to hear next week about what Trump is willing to back. Here's Mitch McConnell. If the president took a position on a bill so that we knew we would actually be making a law and not just having serial votes, I'd be happy to put it on the floor. Sounds logical. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders took a break from sounding insane to say something somewhat moderate on the matter. Enlarge the American people 
whether they're rural like Vermont or New Hampshire, whether they're urban like L.A. or Chicago, whether they're gun owners, whether they're non-gun owners, more or less have come together around a series of policies that will make this country safer. So um, maybe local leaders could learn something from Bernie Sanders when it comes to this, like San Francisco City Supervisor Catherine Stephanie. Supervisor Catherine Stephanie wrote the scathing declaration, reading in part, quote, the National Rifle Association spreads propaganda that misinforms and aims to deceive the public about the dangers of gun violence. The NRA uh, has it coming to them, and I will do everything that I possibly can to call them out on what they are, which is a domestic terrorist organization. Yeah, the NRA is a domestic terrorist organization. Amazing. And speaking in San Francisco, where uh, most people can leave their where most people can't leave their gun, their their homes to go to work without stepping on needles or human feces. Uh, it, it's former mayor and our current governor uh, outdid himself this week. On Tuesday, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill that no longer requires any able-bodied person 18 years of age or older in the state to help an officer who requests assistance during an arrest. That was important for him to sign. That was important. The Sacramento Bee reported that the old law, the California Posse, Comitatus Act of 1872 was common in the country's early days. State Senator Bob Hertzberg, a Los Angeles Democrat, obviously who doesn't know his history, who sponsored the bill, called the old law a vestige of a bygone area because the old law was employed to help catch runaway slaves. Uh, I don't know about that because as I, re- as I remember it, the 13th Amendment was passed in 1865. In 1872, they passed this law uh, to catch runaway slaves. Uh, I don't think so. There weren't slaves in 1872, uh, unless it was illegal slaves. I don't know. That law made it a misdemeanor with a $1,000 fine for refusing to help a police officer who requested assistance during an arrest. That seems reasonable. Newsom did not issue a statement after signing the bill. The spineless jellyfish piece that he is. Anyway, uh, last, last thing before I run out of time. I got three minutes left. McCarthyism is back. But this time it's actors trying to blacklist people who aren't communists because, you know, with the new pack of uh, Democrats, uh, communism is the in thing now. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. I'm going to have to pull some clips next week from uh, what's the movie, uh, The Majestic, where uh, where uh, Jim Carrey, of all people, was in that movie when he was still an actor instead of an idiot. Um, uh, and they were accusing him of being a communist. So. Uh, TV actors Deborah Messing and Eric McCormick from NBC's Will and Grace have been expressing an unhealthy interest in, in outing Hollywood conservatives on Twitter all week. Started with them pleading the, pleading the Hollywood Reporter to publish the names of people attending President Trump's Beverly Hills campaign fundraiser, which I think is next week. Um, I got invited, but you got to put an extra big, healthy, giant sum of money if you want your picture taken. And uh, the rest of it I could see on TV. Um, so anyway, uh, Eric McCormick put, Hey, the Hollywood reporter kindly report on everyone attending this event. So the rest of us can be clear about who we don't want to work with. Thanks. Um, Deborah Messing put, please print a list of all attendees, please. The public has a right to know. Imagine the actors surprised when their own fans started tweeting their disgust, calling from calling them delusional bullies who should get some help when this happened. McCormick was the first to, to backpedal. Eric McCormick tweeted, I want, I want to be clear about my social media post from last week. 
which has been misinterpreted in a very upsetting way. I absolutely do not support blacklist or discrimination of any kind. As anyone who knows me would attest, I'd simply like to understand where Trump's major donations are coming from, which is a matter of public public record I am holding myself responsible for. Oh, yeah, BS. Megan McCain, who is no fan of President Trump, gave this perfectly angry uh, tweet known as misrep misinterpreting you want to put a list together of trump supporters republican trump supporters republicans in hollywood and end their employment publicly shame them and possibly invited god knows what into their lives this is the tolerant hollywood left and no amount of backpedaling changes it and also no fan of trump and well-known liberal mccain's uh, co-host on the view Whoopi goldberg said this your idea of who you don't want to work with is your personal business. Do not encourage people to print out lists because the next list that comes out, your name will be on and then people will be coming after you. In this country, people can vote for who they want to. That is one of the great rights of this country. You don't have to like it, but you, we, don't, we don't go after people because we don't like who they voted for. We don't go after them that way. We can talk about issues and stuff, but we don't print out lists. I myself tweeted back Deborah Messing my response, which was basically a movie clip from The Aviator. Don't talk down to me. Don't you ever talk down to me. You are a movie star. Nothing more. Nope, nothing more. You have nothing else to say. You read other people's words. Just shut up. Anyway, I'm a lot of time for this episode of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you with my 9-11 show next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, equal housing opportunity.